Welcome back to Graceway DC, a weekly podcast bringing you sermons from the pulpit of Graceway Baptist Church of Washington, DC. For this week's sermon, we're taking a look at that star that declared the Christ child had been born. There's much more to be taken from the Christmas and post-Christmas story than that there was a bright star in the sky. And what are we to do now that the star no longer stands out in the night? Let's join Pastor Brad as he opens the word. Take your Bibles, if you would, God's precious, holy, wonderful word, and look at Matthew chapter number two. Now, last week we talked a little bit about the strange thing that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, had no room. And there was no room in the inn, and we need to make room for the Lord. In Matthew chapter 2, there's another story there, and that is the story of the wise men and the star. And so I got a little star here. Somebody handed this to me just before I stepped up here. The wise men and the star. I'd like to read the story and then develop those two thoughts about the wise men and the star. Just before I begin reading there in Matthew 2, the star, I want to point out, appeared, disappeared, reappeared, and then stood still. And those will be the four main points, the four main sections that we attempt to develop. And uh, all of us together, we had corporate worship, and now this is corporate preaching. That is, I shouldn't be the only preacher. Uh, we should be uh, working together, active listening and responding to the Holy Spirit of the Lord. If we are dependent upon me to deliver the Word of God, we're in a bad way because we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. I'm going to read Matthew 2, 1 through 10, and then we'll pray and get started. Matthew 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And that Christ, that is speaking of Messiah. Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. Where's Messiah? Where will he be born? Everybody's waiting. Everybody's looking. And they knew where he was supposed to be born because verse 5 says, And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, that is, quietly, silently, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. That is, Herod sent them to Bethlehem 
and said, Go and search diligently, three times there, for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. Verse number 9. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Father, we come before you with this wonderful, wonderful story in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, thank you for preserving it for us. We trust you. We are dependent upon you. And that is a wonderful place to be. Father, I pray that this truth would just become alive. It would just spring forth in our hearts. Lord, I pray that every one of us would receive your wonderful truth that you have for each of us. Lord, I pray that we'd be challenged as we just stand on the cusp of this brand new year. New opportunities, new troubles, new decisions. Lord, I pray that we would give ourselves to the most important thing, and you would be honored in our midst and in our life. And we ask this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. I want to preach this title to you, this thought. What wise men do when the star disappears. What wise men do when the star disappears. There's two major things here that I can see is the star and the wise men. In the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, God talks about making the, the sun and the moon as the greater lights, and then kind of ho-hum, and he made the stars also. Now, as we study, we see these stars are great bodies, um, much greater than our, our own sun. It's just baffling. But to the Creator, I, I made the stars also. God is mighty. There's another passage in Numbers 24 and verse number 17 that mentions that there shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter, that is what a king would hold, shall arise out of Israel. And it talks about his impact over the world and those tribal nations closest to him. The star, we're going to develop that. It's also the other subject here is wise men. Now, Herod is a great man, uh, one of the greatest the world has ever seen, but he is not a wise man. Not all great men are wise men. In Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse number 22 says that there are people that are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. And that's because of the corrupt tendency in our hearts. Without the Word of God, without the Spirit of God, without impactful moral influence, each of us will struggle doing right and doing good. Omar Bradley, the great U.S. general of the army, serving under President Eisenhower. Actually, um, during that time, there was five-star generals, as he led, said this in a speech with great emphasis. We are living in a time when our achievement and our knowledge 
of science has gone far beyond our power to control it. He said, we have too many men of science and too few men of God. We have brought about brilliance without wisdom, power without conscience. We are living in a time of nuclear giants and spiritual pygmies. The wisdom of God and righteousness is what our day demands. In the new year, as you're thinking, don't think so much about being a great one, a great man, a great woman. Think about being a wise man, a wise woman. Apostle Paul was a wise man. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And what he meant is the source, the substance, the subject, and the satisfaction of his life was Jesus Christ. Can you say that? I want, as we get started here, I want you to just sort of take your imaginary pen and your imaginary paper here and, and write out what you value most in life. For too many in the Western world, in our modern mindset, it would be money. And maybe here today you would say, I'm not so crass as to want money. I just want comfort. Well, you might not want a million dollars, but most of us would like to live like a millionaire. We often long for possessions. And so with your imaginary pen, and well, on imaginary paper so no one can see, maybe you would have to say, honestly, I'm living for money. I'm living for stuff. Maybe your ambition of life is not things, uh, but it's more pleasure. You want to just enjoy life. I just want to enjoy things. I don't need all that stuff. Friends, that's pleasure. And you would have to write down, if you were honest, pleasure. Maybe here we are in uh, the capital of our United States, and everybody that comes here is fighting for something. You don't just come here on accident. You're struggling and striving, putting up with traffic and expense and, and all kinds of things. Why? Maybe it's for freedom. Some people elevate family and friends as the chief aim and goal of their life. Some people, I think a lot of people in D.C., come to make their mark and to be the greatest that they can be. Now, each one of these has merit, but in our corruptive economy of our own selfishness, that could be summed up with fame, fortune, personal satisfaction, ambition, maybe even the desire to leave a legacy. Or maybe as you strip away some of the more attractive veneers, it's just power. I want power. I think a lot of good people come to our city to do good. I really do. And the allurement of power and the corruptive tendency of its impact erodes their own soul. Not all great men and women are wise. Well, let's get right into our, our subject here. We've got four points to develop. And first off, I want you to write down the word providence. 
This is the element of the appearing revelation. Now, here's the story. There are wise men in the east. That's probably our Iraq, Babylon. Maybe it's a little bit further. We don't know exactly, but uh, that would be a good guess. Here in these first two verses, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? This is the element of God's light that reveals itself to people. You see, the light of God has gone out throughout all the earth. In Psalm 19, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. You see, every human bears the responsibility of their own response to God's relative and revelation in light. How will you respond to God's light? Now, the Magi, or the wise men, they weren't kings, actually, even though we sing, we three kings of Orientar. Uh, They weren't actually kings. They were king makers and studiers of the stars. Um, They were probably educated in the tradition of Daniel, who was exiled and promoted to the great prince, maybe what we would call the prime minister there of Babylon. Maybe they were more mystics and maybe even similar in nature to the prophet Balaam, something like that. The star, the star could have been many different things, possibly a symbol, possibly a true star. Maybe it was something reflective. It might have been a solar flare or a comet. There's some very good scientific evidence, and I would encourage you to study this out, that it could have been an aligning constellation. The uh, king star aligning itself and going into the constellation of Virgo. Perhaps even the Shekinah glory that appeared to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, where it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, say it with me, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, it could have been this, that, or the other, and there's some great scientific evidence, and I was thinking about presenting uh, what I think is so curious is uh, the alignment of all the uh, stars and the constellations, and they have, uh, they're able to very scientifically um, reel back time and and align things where they would be almost like a a clock. It's just amazing. But here's what we do know. We do know that this was God's answer to man's need. In 2024, God will provide an answer to your need. Let me repeat that. God will provide an answer to your need. And in a very real sense, it will be his star to you, his providence. God used what these men would understand. He uses, used a, a star 
to guide those that studied stars. Later in Jesus' life, he would use a great catch of fish to guide fishermen. He used Philip's time under that fig tree to reveal himself to him. God uses wise men to reach out to Herod, who had a great fear and skirmishes going on with the eastern regions just beyond the reach of Rome. This could have been God's guiding light to Herod and possibly to all Jerusalem with him. However, the tragedy is that while the wise men were responding to the light that they were given, Herod was rejecting his providence in his life. I want you to think about the providence in your life. Now, let me define providence. Providence is not God. Providence is God doing something. And it might only be noticeable to you. It might be something very small and insignificant. It might be something great. But you know that God is showing you something. You know it's the hand of God speaking to you. Let me give you a verse. I want you to jot this down. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Providence is not God. It is the grace of God. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, this grace isn't salvation. Some people think, oh, this providence means I'm saved. Somebody had a near-death experience in a car crash or a hunting accident or a something, and they're like, no, that was, that, was, that was not just coincidence and chance. That was the hand of God. That's right. It was the hand of God. It's the grace of God. And it doesn't mean that you are saved. What it means is God is drawing you to salvation, the grace of God that what? Bringeth salvation. Brings men to salvation and brings salvation close to you. And I submit to you that that's exactly what's going on. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye search for me with all your heart. See, God is looking for people that are looking for him. And God allows temptations or distractions to come to give you an opportunity to reject and go your own way. God will guide the hungry heart that wants to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hungry to know the Lord? Do you value the truth? Right now, do you hear the voice of God saying, buy the truth and sell it not? God will reveal it to you. He will show himself to you. A warning. Not everything that twinkles is a star. Remember that Satan transformed himself into a what? An angel of light. Now, how do we know the difference? Three quick little thoughts here. The providence of God reflects the glory of God and not our greed or not our glory. I have known, and you have too, many people, too many people, more than just dozens, 
that have been praying for something, searching for something, and then something happens, and they say this is the providence of God. It's the sign of God. It's the grace of God. It's directing me to take this step. And I know in my sinking heart, this is for their doom. It's for their demise. It's, they're not going to survive this. It's the wrong way. And I cry in vain. No, 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 no. That, that's not God. And they said, no. I prayed, and here's the sign, and there it is. Not all the twinkles is God's star. The providence of God reflects His glory. The wise men had to leave everything, had to travel, had to face dangerous Herod, had to do all of this stuff. Secondly, not only the providence of God, the love of God. The love of God reveals His nature and our motives. See, when the love of God comes, it makes you feel kind of dirty and kind of unworthy and makes him seem all so great and so wonderful. So the providence of God reflects his glory and the love of God reveals his nature. We know this verse, 1 John chapter 4, we love him, and say with me, because he first loved us. That's the incredible truth. Romans 3 and verse 11 says, There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. In other words, it's not in us to hunger for, the, for God. We only love him because he loved us. He's that spark that initiated love in our hearts and in our lives. So the providence of God, it reflects his glory. The love of God reveals his nature and the word of God. The word of God ratifies his truth. It is his truth. It's the word of God. Now, as you're looking for direction, as you're watching for a sign, something for the Lord to guide you, make sure it absolutely is ratified by the word of God. In our story here, Herod gathered together the chief priests and scribes and demanded where Christ should be born. And they said, and they quoted Scripture. It came from truth. So this is providence. This is the appearing revelation. The, and the wise men said, We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. It's for his glory, not theirs. That's, that's huge because I wasn't going to develop this anymore, but I feel like I need to just stop here. As you're looking and asking and seeking for God to direct you, to lead you, to show you the way, God will actually allow distractions to come. And the only way you're going to be able to tell the difference is with the Word of God and the nature of God and the glory of God. God often calls people to deep waters far over their head so that they are solely dependent upon Him. God doesn't call us to stages and platforms where we shine. God calls us to stages and platforms where we kind of show, I'm not able, oh, but he is. And the kings 
look over the wall and say, Did we not throw three men in the fire? And lo, I see four. And the fourth one, that's really who he's concerned about, is like the Son of God. He didn't even notice the three. It's the fourth man. And that's who God wants to reveal, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is providence. This is the appearing uh, revelation of God. Let me go on to the second point. The second point of this little story is the star disappears. They saw the star in the east. They came to Jerusalem to worship him. Later, they're going to rejoice when the star reappears and guides them to Bethlehem. Why didn't they just go to Bethlehem? Because God didn't give them that direction. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Well, if you're looking for somebody born king of the Jews, you would go to Jerusalem. Then that's what they did. Our second point here really reveals problems. Problems. This is the disappearing direction. The sad fate of our revelation that comes is it often disappears. This is where you need determination and discipline. See, these wise men must overcome danger. They have to cross great distance. They've got to face difficulty, and they've got to ignore distractions, just like me and you this year. There will be several good things that are glimmering every which way. And if you chase them, you will step down from the purpose for which God has created you. And it is absolutely important that you know that this is from God. It's not just an opportunity. You are made in the image of God. God wants to use you in a great way. And you don't have time for these distractions. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have time for that. You don't have time for none of that. You ain't got no time for that. That's true. Now, let me tell you about King Herod here. King Herod was a puppet king. He was an installed king of Rome. He was crazed with fearful jealousy. He murdered his own mother and three of his sons. Caesar Augustus, which was over Herod, said this, it was safer to be Herod's pig than his son. On his deathbed, he had numbers of prominent men arrested solely to be executed when he died so that, and here's a quote, there would be tears when he died. Tears would be shed. See, Herod doesn't follow the star even when it's right before him. Now, it's true, he didn't have all these things, but he was the political man, and so when there came kingmakers, wise men from the east of another region, of another nation that would be his rival, it would get his attention. God was using something right in his realm that would arrest his attention. He had to gather the experts to do the research. They gave it. He inquired diligently. He demanded of them. He got the answer. He personally delivered it to these king makers, this, these magi. But because it didn't spark the right curiosity, the hunger to God, 
but just created more jealousy, that light disappeared. Now, honestly, the disappearing star is assumed in the story. It's not directly mentioned, specifically called out. And that's actually the point. You might recognize this in your own life. It's when your light and your guidance and that determination just seems to fade away, and you're not really sure where the trouble began. It just sort of, where'd it go? It's the element of a cloud, and you can't quite make out the right direction. In reality, the closer you get to this providence of God, this star, the harder it gets. It always gets harder before it gets better. It all If you've started out to do something great, man, it's exciting. And then it's hard. Many of you are wrestling. Should I set New Year's res- resolutions? Should I set goals for myself? But then you just think back a little ways. I failed at this. I failed at that. I set that. And that was dumb. I shouldn't even... Maybe I shouldn't even do anything. There's all sorts of evidence that those that set goals have more hope, have more drive, have more inspiration, have uh, more joy in their daily activity. Goals are very, very important. But setting goals takes you out of that safe spot. And it's going to take courage. See, it's in the darkness that we most reflect the light of God. It's the shadows that prove that we've been walking by the light of God's goodness. I want you to remember this statement. What you do when the star stops shining makes all the difference in the world. Would you help me by saying that to your neighbor real quick? What you do when the stars shop st- makes all the difference in the world. I want you to think of Noah. Noah wasn't just warned of the coming flood. The Bible says Noah found grace, grace of God that bringeth salvation at the pier dome. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God told him about the flood and said, build the great Ark, but then he had to labor for how long? 120 years. David was anointed as king, maybe as young as 15 or something like that. But he would have to go fight Goliath, play and sing for the crazy king Saul, dodge the spear that he was throwing his way, and live out in the desert with all the other renegades for decades. Abraham called of God to go to a land that he would show him and would make of him and his wife a great nation. But he was old and had no children. He had to trust and he had to follow. Moses, God said, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. We've been studying this all year. And then God has a burning bush there for him. 
And it's very interesting. I showed you this earlier in the year. God didn't speak to Moses until he turned aside to see that bush. That was the providence of God, the grace of God appearing to him. This was his directive time. And he turned aside. And then God spoke to him. But he still had to face Pharaoh across the desert and deal with all the the rebellious children of Israel that were grumbling and seeking to stone him. Now, I want us to think about the story. Did you see that part where it says that Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him? Yeah. There was a superficial, emotional, ineffectual response. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Many people, listen, many people point to an emotional time in their lives and maybe an emotional time with a great number of people. But these emotional influences are no substitute for obedience. You must obey. God's presence is powerful and it shakes us, but emotions are no substitute for obedience. Think of King Saul. He's prophesying and And God is revealing something to him, but he never changes his ways, and he's still hunting David, and he still wants him killed. I think of you and I. We sing great songs. We're moved by the Word of God. We hold God's Word to be true, but yet still dabble in sin. I mean, just a little bit. This last day of the year, let's determine to go forward for God. Let's go forward with God, for God. Let our faith grow. Now, let me hurry on to our third point. Our third point is the provision. This is when the star reappears. This is that confirmation time. That's when you've faced danger, you've crossed deserts, you've overcome difficulties, and the star reappears. Maybe you started out to play an instrument and you started squeaking away on the violin and you made yourself miserable and all your house was troubled with you. And, and then all hope is lost. And then you come through and you can play the song and you've got, and it, that sounded good. And there's hope that comes back into your life. That is our third point here. This is found in verse number nine. And when they heard the king, that is the wise men, they heard the decree of the king about Bethlehem, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them. And well, that last part we'll get to in just a second, verse number, at the end for point number four. Now, some people think that the level of pursuit uh, equals merit with God. Herod is responding with a sincere uh, desire uh, to worship outwardly. And the wise men, I think, were deceived at first. I think he looked good. Only later we hear of Herod's murderous schemes motivated by envy. You see, when Herod misses or rejects God's light, he gets no more. This is the end. We don't 
year anymore. We have to actually look outside the biblical text into history to find out what's happened to Herod. And if I and if you reject the providence, the grace of God, the star that's shining, there is no guarantee of more light. If you reject the light you have, you have no guarantee. But for the wise men, it is supernatural provision. They're rejoicing. And even God uses their enemy to accomplish his goals. Psalm chapter 2 speaks of when kings of the earth set themselves and take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And then it, it talks about God laughing in heaven and having them in derision. In other words, God's just mocking them. He says, you're, you think you're, you're going to kill the Messiah, the Christ child. I'll just use your, your plans to guide the wise men to him. God uses that plotting against the baby to direct. When no other means is available, he provides the light of the star to guide them to the very house. It is a little bit odd, and you've probably thought of this. Why didn't anybody else in Bethlehem see this light, this star? Why didn't anybody else in Jerusalem see this and come? Perhaps, maybe, only the wise men could see it. Perhaps it's less prominent that maybe, than maybe we would imagine. And I have found that that's the way God works. Both in my life and in others, he does things in such a way that it gets your attention, full attention, but then you can dismiss it if you want. And oftentimes there's others around you that go, ah, scientifically, actually, there was, have you seen this video over here on this YouTube? This guy over here, he says this over here, and, and it can just vanish. I'm saying the grace of God that he has given you, take it as a gift from heaven. God will reveal himself to you as you pursue him in ways that others may not even recognize. And other people are dismissing it. They mocked Noah until the rain came. I think Moses even might have doubted himself until all of Israel walked out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. David struggled until that crown was placed upon his head. And you will one day rejoice when the star reappears and the star will come back if it's God's star. Those, Jesus said, those who are hungry will be filled. Those who seek, what? Will find. Those who knock, will have the door opened unto them. Ask and seek and knock and pursue. Let me give you the fourth point and we'll be done. So quick review. Number one, we talked about providence, the appearing revelation. Number two, we spoke of problems and the disappearing direction that comes to all of us. Number three, we talked about that provision, that reappearing confirmation. And now number four, this is the goal, the goal of the whole Bible, the goal of the whole sermon, the goal of the whole 
Christmas story, the goal of everything is this word, presence. Presence. And the end of verse number 9, it says about the star that it went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. See, God was guiding the wise men to the Messiah. The big thing is not the star. It's not the light. It's what the light is shining on. The big deal is Jesus, the promised Messiah. And the Messiah was promised to Eve right after the fall. The Messiah, every generation... Every mother, every father, every child is longing and looking and wanting to see the Messiah. Where is this Messiah? And wise men get to see him. I can tell you with the authority of Scripture, if you want to see the Lord in your life, he will reveal himself to you. He will show himself strong. The Psalms talk about his mighty arm. He will show himself to you. You were created not for pleasure, not for prominence, not for fame, not for glory, not for power. You were created for the presence of God. That is the goal of everything, is to be in the presence of God. Jesus is the answer. Now, in some ways, the wise men followed the star. Herod should have followed the wise men. In some ways, you and I are like a star to somebody else. The people you work with, your neighbors, people you interact with. And the question is, are you guiding them to the Messiah, to the Christ child? Are you leading them to him? Or, are you leading them past him? I think a lot of religions have done that. There's scores of religions that their roots, they began, they started out bringing people into the scripture and into the word and into worship and into church and into fellowship. And they seem to kind of go right past the Lord Jesus Christ. And now they're going into this education and then this affirmative and, and then this, and they go right past the Lord Jesus Christ. They go right past the Word of God. And the Word of God helped for a while, but now we have higher learning. We must lead people to Christ. The star that leads to Christ must always be going to Christ, and it is our final destination. Romans 10 and verse 4. Look at this verse. Let's bring it up here. Romans 10 and verse number 4. For Christ is the what? Is the end of the law. That is the goal. That is the destination. Christ, the law is to bring us to Christ. Christ is, is the summit. He's the peak. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The law and our faith and, and our practice and our discipline and what I do and what I don't do and everything is to bring me to Christ this year. 
no matter what you do, determine, I must get to Christ. That's the goal. Thursday night, we studied Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is called by what the theologians refer to as the the omniscience of Christ, the omnipresence of Christ, that God is not everything, but he is everywhere. But really the goal is, and the emphasis is not that God is everywhere, but that God is near. God is very close. God is here. Isaac Watts wrote this of Psalm 139 in the nearness of God, the presence of God. Lord, thou hast searched and seen me. Thine eye commands with piercing view my rising and my resting hours, my heart and flesh with all their powers, my thoughts before they are my own, are to my God distinctly known. He knows the words I mean to speak, ere from my opening lips they break. Within thy circling power I stand, on every side I find thy hand. Awake, asleep, at home, abroad, I am surrounded still with God. Amazing knowledge! Vast and great, what large extent, thy lofty height, my soul, with all the powers I boast, is in thy boundless prospect lost. O may these thoughts possess my breast, where'er I rove, where'er I rest, nor let my weaker passions dare consent to sin for God is there when we realize God is here with me I cannot feel alone I cannot feel isolated I cannot yield to temptations no matter how great when Christ is near, I can overcome. I can conquer. And so the wise men became great men because they were in the presence of God. And the great man failed because he didn't follow the grace of God, the providence of God. So as we stand just on the edge of our brand new year. Listen, you've got a new year, a new start. Follow God. Follow Him. Leave the comforts and boldly set out to find the Messiah, the Christ child. He's for you. He's calling you. I think the fact that we're all here assembled I think the fact that we have a great host of people in the other room. I think the fact that people online are watching and we have this desire to be more like Christ and less like me. That's a gift from God. That's the grace of God that appeared to Noah. It's the grace of God that appeared to the wise. 
and appeared to me, appeared to you. Will you follow the star? Will you follow God? Now, right now, you're thinking of things that I need to get out of my life. You're thinking of things that need to be in your life. You're thinking of good things that need to be honed and sharpened and realigned. You're thinking of your tendency and my tendency to do great all the way till March. And realize the star will disappear. I'm not saying God changed his mind. I'm saying all that ambition, all that get up and go, got up and went. <laughs> and Jim's have everybody sign up in January and that nobody shows up in February. Let's make it all the way. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. And then say back to your neighbor, well, there's some things you should quit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The grace of God. Oh, I love the word. Isn't this a great story? Isn't this amazing? It's all right there for you and for me. So let's stand together. Tori, going to come play this song. As we're standing, what I want you to do is I want you to say, God, I want to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what's right. Maybe you want to bow your head and close your eyes and just be quiet and still. Maybe you need to jot something down. All of it's good. This is wonderful. I don't know what it is that God has for you, but you hear his voice. Follow him and don't miss the light of God. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Graceway DC. If you find yourself in the DC area on a Sunday or Thursday, we'd love to see you in person for one of our church services. If you'd like more information about Graceway Baptist Church, visit gracewaydc.com to connect or discover what you're looking for. It's been great having you with us. We hope to see you next time on Graceway DC.